0: And as we walked down this this dusty road, I'll never forget, there was a little girl next to me, probably eight or nine years old. She was wearing a white dress, and and as I looked down, I was just shocked by how small her shoes were. They were so small, she had to, to cut open the front so her toes could stick out. And just right then and there, I thought, you know, wouldn't that be nice if there was a pair of shoes that could adjust and expand their size?
1: Hi, my name is Jean-Pierre Huairi and you're listening to Clean, the first and only podcast here to help you change the world. My guests are social innovators that are changing the performance capacity of society. We'll take you inside the transformative forces, technologies, and ideas that are shifting behavior patterns around global sustainability and perceptions about how we, as humans, live, consume, and behave. You'll see that you too can make a difference. The name of this podcast got changed along the way. In case you hear the word fresco, we're talking about this very same clean.org podcast. Let's dive in. So we are here today with Kenton. Kenton, uh, introduce yourself to the audience for me, please, so that they know who you are and, and what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Kenton Lee. I'm the founder of Because International. We are a nonprofit that created a growing shoe that we call the shoe that grows. It can grow five sizes and last for years and we get them out to kids around the world. And I'm so happy to be here to to chat today. This is fun.
1: Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Tell me a little about a little about how you were inspired to create the shoe that grows.
0: So I this was something that was uh, unexpected for me. I didn't grow up just loving shoes. I'm not in, I, I, I wasn't in the shoe industry or anything like that. But um, right after college, I traveled the world for about a year. Part of that, I lived in Kenya and I was volunteering and, and living at a small orphanage. And one day I was walking with all the kids And as we walked down this this dusty road, I'll never forget, there was a little girl next to me, probably eight or nine years old. She was wearing a white dress. And and as I looked down, I was just shocked by how small her shoes were. She was wearing these shoes that were way too small for her feet. They were so small, she had to, to cut open the front so her toes could stick out. And just right then and there, I thought, you know, wouldn't that be nice if there was a pair of shoes that could adjust and expand their size you know kids feet are always growing so why don't we have shoes that can grow and I, I really thought I think that would make sense for this little girl and and maybe other kids you know in a similar position where they don't always have access to uh to shoes that fit so uh, that was when I had the idea and it's been a just a crazy journey uh, ever since then and how long ago was this so that was about 11 years ago that I, that I had the idea. And then it took, uh, you know, I grabbed a few friends and we, we kind of jumped in with it. And it took us six years to, to just work on on the idea, on the design, on the prototype, all that stuff. So from when I first had the idea in Kenya to when we had our very first batch of 3,000 pairs, um, that was a six-year project. <laughs> wow.
1: And how many pairs have you manufactured to date?
0: Uh, to date, we have distributed over three hundred thousand pairs of the shoe that grows, and uh, sent those to kids in over a hundred countries. And uh, we're still still going strong, still trying to make it happen.
1: That's very impressive. Uh, what are some of the mechanisms you use to fund the operation? Whether it's a profit center on one side or donations on another, what does that look like for you?
0: Yeah, we, we do a few different things to try to fund our mission. The first thing we do, you know, I wish I could win the lottery and just give all of our shoes away, you know, but the first thing we do is we, we sell the shoes to the partners that we work with. So if someone is uh, involved with an orphanage or uh, another nonprofit organization or church or something, uh, anybody who works with kids, they can reach out to us or we reach out to them. But as we talk to groups that work with kids, they can purchase our shoes for $20 a pair, and then distribute those shoes to the kids that they work with. So about half of our funding comes from the sale of our shoes to the nonprofit partners that we work with. And then we also do general fundraising. We have some amazing donors and supporters, and uh, we, we love talking to them and uh, and receiving support from them. And then just a couple years ago, we started a separate company, a commercial company, to sell the shoes commercially. We had people asking for that and we hadn't done that yet. So now people can buy the shoes commercially for $40 a pair. And then a a portion of those profits come back to our nonprofit organization as well. So trying to have lots of different revenue streams to fund this mission and get as many shoes to as many kids as we can.
1: And uh, where could someone go buy those shoes if they're listening?
0: So, yeah, the commercial shoes. So that company is called Grow5. Grow, just G-R-O. So we, we left out the W. So uh, people can go to grow5.com. So G-R-O and then F-I-V-E. So kind of spell out the five grow5.com and you can buy a shoe for, for yourself. We have adult sizes or for kids. It's a great pair of uh, shoe sandal kind of hybrid. It grows five sizes. It lasts for years. I wear a pair every single day myself. I think they're great. And uh, yeah, people can go to grow5.com or even on Amazon. You can uh, search for grow5 or expanding shoes and it should pop up. Perfect.
1: And now let's talk about the journey. What are some of the difficulties you
0: came across
1: when understanding supply chain logistics, sourcing raw material, manufacturing, uh, your original molds? What were some of the difficulties there and how did you overcome them?
0: Yeah, good question. You you, you know what you're talking about. I, I can tell. So all that stuff, I didn't know anything about when I was first getting started. I I still don't know much about it, I'll I'll be honest. But (laughs) we're always all of us, don't worry. That that's right. That's right. You know, so so part of it, especially as we first got started, it was all around the design. You know, before we got into materials or, you know, suppliers, anything like that, we had to to really solidify the the design. How could we design a shoe to expand and, and adjust its size? And so we just had a lot of trouble. Since I didn't know what I was doing myself, I needed help. And and as I asked for help, you know, I reached out to a ton of big shoe companies. I didn't want anything for I didn't want any money or anything. I, I just wanted someone to, to help us make this happen. And uh, everybody said no, you know, and, and I, I went out in the garage. I, I did try to do it by myself and just I, I just couldn't. Like I just didn't know what I was doing. And so for us, one of the big difficulties was we needed someone to help us. And it just took a long time (laughs) to find that the right person. But if you ask enough, you know, like if you hustle enough, there's someone out there that's going to help you out.
1: Did you post like a job on something like that?
0: Yeah, good, good question. I, I probably should have done something like that. If I could do it all again, I would have done it a little differently. But basically, I tried to network my way through it and so idaho where where i live and work idaho is not known for its shoe industry you know but uh, but we are fairly close to portland and portland oregon has you know nike and and so many others and so there's really a big shoe hub there and so ultimately i was able to kind of network and one person knows somebody else knows somebody else and we finally found a little shoe design company in in portland that we told them our idea and they just loved it and so they jumped in with us they helped us for about a year, they took us through a really tense design process, came out on the other end with a really good prototype. And then at that point, we raised a little bit of money. We made 100 pairs of the prototype. My wife and I took them back to Kenya and put them in four different schools, had kids try them out for about a year. Um, and then at that point, we felt like you know we, we made a prototype. We've got a good design. We've got some feedback. We really felt good on the design side. And then it was like, okay, how do we produce this? Yeah, what materials do we use? Who, who's going to, you know, I, I don't have a factory, you know, so who, who's going to make these? Where are we going to make these? And kind of a similar thing. I, I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So I, I needed to have someone help me. And again, we had someone step up and really help us through that kind of factory process. Because so, it was all new to me. I had no idea how it should work and how it does work. So that probably took longer than than it typically does, but you put all that together, and so for six years, you know, we worked on this. But at the end of those six years, we finally had uh, three thousand pairs of our growing shoes that could grow five sizes, that could last for years. Uh, we were really pleased, really excited to have that first batch, and then things really started to. Kind of pick up in terms of now we have inventory, now we're actually able to get these out and get these on the feet of kids. So that was a really fun moment once that first batch of three thousand uh, arrived at my house.
1: All right. Um, what was the most painful lesson so far?
0: The most painful lesson so far that I, that's a good question. Um, I've had a lot of them, <laughs> but I would probably say, you know i'll I'll, I'll give you an honest answer about a year ago we grew a little bit too fast and as we hired people to join our team you know it it started just with me uh working you know just volunteering and doing it and then as we grew you know i was able to join uh, full-time and then a few others and so i believe we had about about 15 people on our team and it was just—it was just a little bit too many. At the same time, we didn't quite have the revenue that we projected, and so truly, the most painful lesson I ever learned was when we had to to let go of two employees a couple years ago. And they
1: were probably friends.
0: They were. Oh, they totally were, and they were awesome, and they were great at what they did. And you know, it was—it it, was—it's it was, something I never want to do again. You know, I've, I'm really. The only things that keep me up at night, right, are, are, are usually money kind of issues, you know, revenue and expenses and payroll, things like that. And not that I didn't take it seriously before, but after having to let go of two people. And I mean, you know, for myself I, I felt pain in that. And then obviously, you know, for them it was it was really difficult and they felt, you know, the, the most pain. I just um I see money issues in a whole different way. And so even though that was a, a, a moment of pain. And a moment of pain for for my friends and their families. I mean, it was just, it was terrible, right? Like it's, I never want to go through that again, but I learned a lot and it really has helped me just be so much better about how we grow, how we use our funds, even the fundraising that I do. I'm a little more urgent because I know if we don't hit certain numbers, then at a certain point, you know, things have to change. And so, yeah, painful stuff and stuff I never want to go through again. And and I know other, I, I'm sure other people have had to let go of more than just two. You know, I mean, you hear about big companies, you know, laying off thousands of people and just, it's just difficult, whether it's one person or a thousand people, nobody ever wants to do that.
1: Yeah. I always recommend a book to growing CEOs called The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Have you ever read
0: the great book? That's a great book. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. And i I'm, I imagine you must have read Shoe Dog by now.
0: Yeah, Phil Knight. Yeah, that's a fantastic book. Crazy how Nike got started and grew and everything they had to go through. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, I imagine you're you're on the path, right?
0: <laughs> I'm I'm not uh, not as much of a shoe dog as as uh, Phil Knight, but it, I've learned a lot about shoes in the past few years and we love it. We my my team and I, we love the work that we do. Um, we are so excited to connect with people who kind of see the vision of what we're doing and, and can support us. And it's, uh, it's fun when you get to do what you love every day. And I'm very fortunate to get to do what I love every day.
1: Well, I hear you saying fun and love. And so that leads right into my next question How has this mission impacted the quality of your life?
0: I, I've never had that question before. Um, that's interesting. I, w- I would like to say that even without this mission i would hope i would have a pretty high quality of life you know what i mean like I, I i'm a big believer that you get to choose your attitude you know you get to choose how you respond to things and in a lot of ways i think your quality of life is kind of up to you if you want to have a good quality of life you will and if you don't then then you won't but having said that I do know that having something that you're passionate about, having something that's your thing, you know, like you really, some people don't find it till they're a lot older. I'm 36 years old and I've been doing this for, you know, 10, 11 years. So I'm really fortunate when I'm in my mid twenties, you know, I've got something that I love, that I'm passionate about, that I'm, it's my thing. And some people don't find that till a lot later. I'm very happy, I'll I'll say that, you know. But I I would hope, and my, my wife and I, you know, we talk about this, if tomorrow, if everything just blows up and the shoe that grows goes away and because international goes away, you know, like if all this was gone, I'd be sad, you know, but I, I would hope I'd move on to the next thing and, you know, find something else to, to sink my teeth into and find another way to try to make a difference. It is wonderful when you reach the point And it could be, you know, for me, it was starting an organization, starting this cause. That's not what everybody needs to do. You know, for someone, it might be just volunteering their time or it might be, you know, just hitting a home run with their career and then donating tons of money, you know, or or being a mom, being a dad, like whatever it is, it doesn't have to be starting an organization, but whatever it is for people, it is awesome when you can identify what really makes you come alive, and then have an opportunity to do that every day. And so I always tell people, I, I am loving this chapter in my life. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know if it'll, if this will be the whole book, you know, or if it's just a chapter, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm loving it. Is this your
1: primary focus?
0: This is, yeah, my my day job, but also my passion and uh, something I love to do is our work with Because International and the Shoe that Grows. So I'm very very lucky that this pays the bills, you know, and and at the same time, it's something I I just love doing.
1: And of your 12 or 13 staff, I'm counting, um, how many of those are volunteers versus full time employees?
0: So right now, those are all full time employees. Yeah, you know, we we work hard to get revenue from the sale of our shoes. We work hard with fundraising. And then with our commercial company, we're trying to sell some shoes over there so that we can fund this this mission. And part of funding our mission is funding our team, where we really believe strongly that, you know, you get good, committed people who are really focused in, on something, and they can do a lot. They can make great change. And so I love that our team is, you know, they they don't have to raise their own support they don't have to just volunteer and have a job on the side. Again, we're in a really fortunate position that um, this is the full-time job of our team. And for many of them, they've been doing it for a few years now. And our hope is it can be, you know, my career, their career, you know, we can get really good at what we do and really maximize the, the opportunity we have with our organization and with the shoe that grows.
1: And around your donations, how is it that you raise those funds? How, how did you streamline that? What's that process look like?
0: Yeah, we, we've been learning a lot. So f- five years ago when we had that first batch of 3,000 pairs, you know, we were already a, a nonprofit organization, but we were, we were so small. We didn't really know what we were doing. And so in the last five years, we've really learned a lot. We, we've grown a lot, um, but we still have a long way to go. We still have a lot to learn. But we, as we've learned, you know, one of the most important things is to have different streams of revenue. So even inside of our fundraising, we receive some funding from grants from foundations. We receive some funding from you know just people coming to the website, kind of small donations. Uh, we do a couple of campaigns throughout the year online. One of them is in April. One of them is around Giving Tuesday and, and then a, kind of an end of the year campaign. We're trying to always get to know our donors and Some of our donors are kind of in that major donor category where they are, they have the capacity to give, you know, $500, $1,000, stuff like that. So I really work closely with our major donors, you know, lots of other little things too. You know, we're always appreciate when a kid, a teenager, an entrepreneur, a business owner, a corporation, I mean, whoever it is, if anybody is interested in what we're doing, they could donate a dollar. They could donate ten thousand dollars, but we always love engaging with them to see how they could help support our our mission. And so again, we're getting we're not not really great at it yet. we're We're getting better at it. I know we've missed a lot of opportunities, I'm sure, over the years, but um but now we're really getting better at at maximizing those opportunities and and then something small that we always do anyone who ever, you know, whoever communicates with us at any time, whether it's a live chat on our website or an email or phone call or social media message, whatever, our team is great at getting back to people. You know, we, if you reach out to us, we are going to talk to you. You know, we love it when people talk to us. And so we're really good. You're not going to call us and leave a voicemail and never hear from us. We're calling you back. You know, we, we love hustling that way. And again, just trying to maximize every interaction with people.
1: I can attest to that. You're very quick about getting back to us.
0: It's, uh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad you reached out. You know, I, I, I love it.
1: Um, tell us a little bit about how much you, you're raising donations wise.
0: Yeah, you know, this year with COVID-19, it, it looks a little different. We reframed some of our projections for the year. So this year, our goal is around $750,000. And again, that's a mix of, um, I believe we have about $100,000 goal in our uh, foundations and our grants. I think it's about 300,000 from our major donors. And so it's inside of that 750, there's a, there's a mix of our different revenue streams. But um, yeah, if, if we could finish the year, hitting that goal of, of 750,000, that would be a home run we're urgently working towards it you know
1: was that an adjustment downwards because of COVID? i presume
0: it was just a little bit um i believe if if i'm thinking correctly we adjusted our our revenue our fundraising revenue down to 80 percent of what we had originally projected so not down too much but we did did project that down we've been hitting our numbers so far our donors have really stepped up you know sacrificial giving We, we we know that for for our donors, th- these are tough times for many of them, and they're still giving and they're still helping us, and that just means the world to us. And so, yeah, we're we're working hard to try to try to hit those numbers and keep this thing going. And you know, we're pushing every day, and I I think we're going to do it, but it'll it'll take some you know some some effort. We still got four four and a half more months, and I'm I'm on the clock, and so uh, yeah, I'm excited to keep connecting with people and providing them opportunities to help us out.
1: Well, let's unpack the donor angle a little bit. Sure. How do you, A, identify them, and B, what software and systems or technology do you use to keep track of them and communicate with them regularly?
0: Yeah, so we are in a really fortunate spot. About five years ago, we had a ton of publicity come out about our, our story, about our shoes. And so we had a lot of people hear about us, come to our website, donate, you know, and, and engage with us. So we have a, a real... Decent database of of donors, and many of them you know have continued to give and, and we know them well and so we're not really looking for more donors uh, necessarily I mean we we don't say no you know if people want to donate for sure it's kind of like with a company you know instead of trying to go out and get a new customer, you try to keep the customer you have you know and so that's kind of what we're doing with our donors we're really trying to get to know the donors that we have um, really cultivate those relationships and really really get them invested in, in what we're doing. Uh, some tools that we use to, to help us with that. Um, we use Salesforce religiously. We love Salesforce. We use that to keep track of our shoes, our, our, our orders, our shipments, you know, all that stuff. And then also to keep track of our donors and, and supporters as well. We really try to use Salesforce kind of for, for everything. Um, but there is a, a smaller system that, that I use for major donors. And that is a system created by a uh, a fundraising group that we did a training with. Um, they're called The Focus Group. They're in Florida and they have a system they made called Windshield. And Windshield is a really nice small little system that um, really just keeps track of major donors and your goal for them for the year and kind of your next step with them, things like that. And I, I really like that tool um, to help me keep track of my list of donors that I'm, that I'm working with. Uh, I, I still use Excel for some other lists that I have and things that I'm uh, maybe not ready to put into Salesforce yet, but I, stuff I still want to keep track of. So on my computer, I've got a few Excel files open all the time. I've got my windshield database ready. I've got my Salesforce database ready. And uh, that kept us uh, pretty organized these past couple of years.
1: I'm glad to hear. How do you identify talent and how do you you know, convince them uh, about your mission or identify that they really care about the mission.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a good example because I, I don't feel like I have to, you know, be a, a used car salesman and try to talk somebody into, you know, helping us out if they don't want to. So one of my um, favorite stories is from one of our employees. She had followed us on social media when she lived in Oklahoma and she was familiar with us and and supported us and and then when when she and her family moved to Idaho to our town she she reached out and and asked if she could help you know so she started volunteering she just came into the office a couple of days a week and helped out a little bit and pretty soon we were giving her more and more responsibility and then when we had the funding available to add a new position it was just a perfect scenario to hire her because she was already doing it she loves what we do, you know, she fit in really well with our with our team culture. And so whether it's interns, we have a pretty pretty strong intern program, um, or whether it's just supporters that we kind of locate and say, you know, hey, you, we know you're really good at this, you know, if ever you want to come help us out. You know, so I, I, but for me, it really starts with like, I don't want to, I, I really don't uh, take the approach where I see somebody who's super talented, maybe they're great at what they do. But if they don't know us, if they don't if they're not passionate about our cause, if they're not interested in us, I don't really want to try to talk them into to what we're doing. You know, I'd rather take someone who really loves us and, and, and is interested in what we're doing and supports us. And, and then if they have the right skills and talents that we need, then it's just a it's a win win. It's an easy fit for them to uh, volunteer or, or join our team.
1: All right. You know, Kenton, I feel like we could talk for another few hours. We could, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to wrap this up here and, and ask you, how can someone get in touch with you or your organization?
0: We love, again, we love talking to people. So, uh, you know, the best way, you go to our website. Uh, that's because, just like the word, because international .org. That'll get you right over to us. Um, you could also Google Because International. You could Google the shoe that grows. All of that's going to take you to to our website. And once you're on our website, you can check out about our shoes. You can check out about you know, donating. Um, you could look at our team and, and our contact info is there. You can reach out to me or someone else on our team. Um, but our website's really a great hub for for kind of anything that you might need. So for anybody out there who's interested, please go to becauseinternational.org, and uh, we'd we'd love to connect with you.
1: All right, Kenton, thank you so much, and I have a feeling we're going to ask you to come back on the show.
0: Hey, any anytime. Yeah. This is fun. Good questions. I had a couple of questions today I, I haven't ever heard before, so uh, this was this was fun. I appreciate it.
1: I agree. So so far this has been great. Thank you, and, and have a beautiful day. Thanks. Hello, this is Jean-Pierre. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode gave you some ideas and helped you consider ways to make a positive difference in our world. You can reach me to jp at clean.org.